church. I, every time I hear that song, I'm back. Uh, well, yeah, I'm not, I'm not showing you any of my dance moves. But they want to come out for sure, for sure. Good morning, church. Man, it is great to be back here with all of you. Good morning to those of you who are joining us online. We love the fact that you're tuning in. We wish you were here with us, right, church? Come on. We wish you were here. Come on. But we are thankful that, we, that you're able to tune. We have the technology and the team to, that you can join in and you can hear the word of truth this morning to how much God loves you. And by the way, those of you who are new with us this morning, welcome to Vertical Church. Come on. Give it up, church. We love the fact that you are here this morning, and we hope that you were made to feel welcome and wanted. If you haven't figured out yet, we're all about Jesus in this place. We're a Jesus church, and we want you to know how much God loves you as well. Man, church, today is Sunday. What does that mean? Sunday. It is absolutely our fun day. I love coming and singing praises to an awesome God, celebrating life change through his son, Jesus Christ. Talk about fun day. Can I just go back and think about last week at the best Sunday ever? Come on. Was that not fun or what? Man, I just tell you, if you were a volunteer that made part of making that happen, thank you so much. You know, I walked around uh, all Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon, and I watched you serve with such great joy and enthusiasm. You made it possible to make it the best Sunday ever for somebody that was here that was not a part of our church. I also want to just take a quick second to thank the planning team, man. They put us together. It was Kelly Anderson, Nicole Ploak, Chris Mills, Lyle Bozarth, and Stephanie Clark. They put this together, right? Come on. Hours upon hours of pulling it all together for the first ever Best Sunday ever. We are super excited what took place, and we're already planning for next year. Come on, come on, right? Well, this morning, church, we're continuing this series. If you see in the background, it's titled Fanatic. We're in week two of the series. And as we kicked this series off last week, we, we kind of defined what a fanatic is. You can see it on the screen this morning. A fanatic is a person with excessive enthusiasm or zeal for religion. A fanatic is a person marked or motivated by an unreasoning passion for a cause. A fanatic is a person who's intensely extreme or beyond normal limits. This is what we define a fanatic is. A fanatic is someone who is over-the-top passionate about what they believe in. And as we walked through this last week, you know, we're, I, we walked through this and we we're out of our mind. We are called as followers of Jesus Christ to be out of our mind fanatics for Christ, right? We are called to live this passionate zeal out loud. Don't keep it in, don't shy back, but live it out in front of the world that God has brought us into, the people around us. Because the truth is, the church needs to be fanatics for Jesus, we need, to meet, we need to be crazy for Jesus. But as we look across our country, as we look across our county, and maybe sometimes if we look across our own table, this idea of being a fanatic is missing. Billy Graham said it this way. This is very, it is this very commitment that we lack in our churches today. Our vision is too limited. Our objectives are too small. And we are suffering because we lack fervor, enthusiasm, and madness. Friends, we live in a culture where extreme enthusiasm and passionate living is accepted on all levels. Man, it is the norm. And I believe it's time for the church to turn up the heat about what we believe about Jesus. It's time for the church to stand up and be loud about who we follow, who we love, who has changed our lives. 
A phrase that I have used over the past several years is don't be a thermometer, be a thermostat. Don't be a thermometer and gauge the temperature of those around you. We are called to be a thermostat and to raise the spiritual heat to a massive praise for an awesome God. You know what I'm saying? A thermostat only tells us what's going on. We take the temperature of the things going around. I'm sorry, a thermometer does that. A thermostat has the power and the influence to make a change. And I believe it's time for the church to be a thermostat. Raise the spiritual temperature of what's happening in our church. Raise what's happening in our lives, in our families, so the people around us look at us and think we're crazy, but we're crazy for Jesus. Why? Because we know he changes everything. This past week, I was at a Red Rocks worship night down in Evansville, and one of the lead singers, Corey, stopped and have us give praise for Jesus for 20 seconds. They were just playing music. There was no word sung. And the crowd went crazy. They were clapping. They were hooting and hollering. He was shouting some stuff. I couldn't hear it because everybody was so loud. Right? And, and what I want to do this morning, can we do the same thing? Yeah. I mean, that was a worship concert. We're at church this morning. I wonder if we could give it up for Jesus. I wonder if we could give it up for Jesus. Give it up for Jesus. Let everything that has breath... Praise the Lord. If he has changed your life, give it up for Jesus. If he saved you from addiction, give it for Jesus. If he's done anything in your life, give it up for Jesus. Praise God, right? Be a fanatic for the ones that are fanatic for you. That's what we're called to do. Amen? That's what I'm talking about. Woo! Now we got that all of our system. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Psalm 150, verse 6. Church, if we are not crazy for Jesus out loud, if we're not fanatics for Jesus out loud, what are we saying to the people who don't know him? Man, they need to know. They need to know why we're so crazy. They need to see it in our lives. And we need to be okay with it. Last week, we talked about being out of our minds, and today we're going to talk about you and I growing and living against the grain, going against the grain. A fanatic that lives a life for Jesus goes against the grain of cultural current, fighting for what we know to be true and sharing the truth of Jesus Christ. Let's get into this. Open your Bibles, if you would, Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4 uh, we're starting at verse 1 this morning. If you grab the orange Bible on the way in, you'll find it on page 745. Acts chapter 4, verse 1, page 745. As you're getting there, your Bibles or your Bible apps, whatever you're using this morning, let's set the stage for this morning's conversation. If followers of Jesus, Peter and John, were up in the Jewish temple, right? They're in the temple courts, and they were proclaiming the gospel, the risen Christ, and then during, this was happening during a time of prayer, which means there would have been a significant amount of people in the temple court walking through this time of prayer. There was a crowd that was there, and they were listening to what they were saying. Just before they went in there, and they healed a lame man who couldn't walk, they healed him. And there was all sorts of controversy because people saw this guy who was outside who couldn't walk. Now he's inside the temple, and he's just bouncing around like a clown, like, woohoo, look at me, right? And so this was bringing some controversy. 
And Peter gets in their face verbally about who Jesus is, what they had done, and how God responded. In fact, if you look back in chapter 3, uh, chapter three verse 15, Peter says it's very clear to them. He says, you, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. This is what you did. You thought you had it under control, but God stepped in and changed it, raised our Savior. And then he takes him on a history lesson. He says, okay, this is what God said it would happen. All these things now, the God of Jacob, the God of Israel, right? This is all what has hidden down. He was pointing to the Messiah, the one who would come that would change everything. He was this history saying, understand, understand that this is what's supposed to happen. And this is where you and I slow down and step into the scripture, chapter 4, starting at verse 1. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can follow on the screen. It says, the priests... And the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Then, then they seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in a jail until the next day. Let's just stop right there. The Jewish leadership, the chief priests, the Sadducees were there. They heard what was being proclaimed, and they decided they didn't like it, and so they arrested John and Peter and put them in jail. What I think is very interesting here is that the Sadducees were there. Now, the Sadducees were a religious part of the, part of the uh, sect of the religious uh, Jewish leadership. They were part of Jewish leadership, but they didn't believe in the resurrection. So the fact that these guys, these dudes... John and Peter were talking about the, the resurrected Christ, right? The risen Christ and resurrected life and what Jesus was going to do for all mankind. There's no wonder they didn't want him there. No wonder they were so frustrated with him. But the problem with the Sadducees is they were more like a political party than a religious group. They focused more on politics over God. In many ways, their goal was to keep the balance between the Jews and the Roman government. And as I think about this, what happens across our country in so many churches, I think we, that's still happening today, playing politics over proclaiming the truth of Jesus Christ. But as I read these verses, I read these verses, it says we can always learn from Scripture, right? I read these verses, and I believe we should be inspired by him. Because a fanatic that goes against the grain will share the truth regardless of what others think, say, or believe. In fact, your point number one, if you're taking notes this morning, a fanatic is willing to share the truth no matter what. A fanatic is willing to share the truth no matter what. See, sometimes we read scripture, I, I, we, we fly by it. I think we need to stop and comprehend where these dudes were, right? They were in the temple the Jewish temple. And who were they talking to? They're talking to Jewish people. They're surrounded by Jewish people. They were surrounded by religious leaders, the chief priests, the high priests. And so I stop and think about that. Who was the ones who wanted Jesus dead and who nailed him to the cross? The Jewish people, the religious leaders, the chief and high priests. Jesus proclaimed to be the Messiah, and they are the ones who are screaming, crucify him, crucify him. 
Now, what is Peter and John saying? Oh, Jesus the Messiah. He is the anointed one. He was the one who's going to bring change to the world forever. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. They were in hostile, hostile territory, and they still proclaimed the truth. I think we can learn from that. I think God will put us, every one of us, in a position to share the truth this week. And, and that, that position may be a position of hostile territory, where you're in the middle of a conversation, or you're in an area at work or in school where people don't believe what you believe. It could be considered hostile territory. They share the truth. Will we? Because look at this. In verse 4, what happens when we, we share the truth no matter what? We're fanatics. It says, but many who heard the message believed, and the number of men who believed grew to be about 5,000. They stood, yeah, come on. They stood in the temple courts, proclaimed a risen Christ, the gospel of following Jesus Christ, and people said, oh, my word, that's who he is. He is the Messiah. And people were giving their lives to him right there. Yeah. Heaven rejoice. That's what it says in Luke chapter 15, verse 7. Heaven rejoices. Anytime someone prays and surrenders their life, make Jesus the Lord, heaven rejoice. There's a party in their name. And that was happening in the Jewish temple. But fanatics like to push the envelope. Verse 11, it says, Jesus is, this is what they're saying, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone now, that doesn't sound so prophetic and like, wow, that's amazing, until you realize that they were throwing down Psalm 118, 22. The chief priests, the high priests, would have known exactly what they were saying. Here, here's some scripture, dudes. You need to pay attention to what God said. You, you know, you, the one you rejected? Yeah, he's the foundation of everything, eternity. The one you rejected? Yeah, he's the cornerstone, the foundation for everything that comes next. And then you get to verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by we, which we must be saved. I love that. They're standing there before the religious leader. And they're throwing down the truth. And by the way, the truth that they were throwing down could have put them on a cross. And saying, hey fellas. Yeah, you think that salvation is all about your rules, about your, your self-proclaiming good deeds? Let me just tell you, you are wrong. Salvation is only found in Jesus Christ. Right? You may have all these mighty positions. Think when it comes to all these things with God, it doesn't compare. It fails. Salvation is only found through Jesus Christ. Church, as fanatics, we need to be willing to share that truth no matter what. No matter where we are and no matter where we, who we're with. The only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. We will all be in positions, like I said, maybe this week, 
where people will say what is contradictory to what we believe to be true. And what I mean, what we believe to be true, is what we find in Scripture. Are we willing to say, I understand what you are saying, or why you would believe that, but I can, tell, can I tell you the truth? Are we willing to do just that? And remember, telling people the truth is not slapping them with our Bibles, okay? Right? It's not slapping them across the face with Scripture. Like, take that, you fool. No, it's nothing like that. In fact, First Peter, the reference here, Peter says this in chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. He says, but in your heart revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope you have, right? We need to be ready. But do this with what? Yeah, with gentleness and respect. Keeping a clear conscience so that those who may speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. When we have these conversations, it doesn't mean we start blasting people, belittling people. No, no, we just say, okay, I understand what you're saying or why you may believe that, but can I tell you what God says in his word of truth? Can I just share you what God has done in my life because what I found in the word of truth? Can this be said of us, church? Will we stop and say the truth and share the truth no matter what? Maybe this is a point we can walk through in our small groups this week. What this looks like in our lives. Why we do it or why we don't. Unfortunately, what's happened across our nation, stating Jesus is the only way to heaven is starting to be considered hate speech in our country. The truth is what you want it to be. Jesus is not the only way. There are multiple ways to get to heaven. Just find your own path. Junk. Trash. Even self-proclaiming popular or celebrity Christians have stated and shared this nonsense. Why? Because they're afraid of being rejected. They want the approval of the masses. That's not a fanatic. That is a fan. And a fan ditches when things get tough. Church, don't let that be you. That can't be us. Because fanatics share the truth no matter what. Amen? Amen. Continue reading verse 13. It says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished, and they took note that these men were, had been with Jesus. Let's stop there again. Point number two this morning. A fanatic is an ordinary person proclaiming an extraordinary God. You hear me on that? A fanatic is an ordinary person proclaiming an extraordinary God. Too often, friends, we believe that we need to be super Christians to live a fanatical life for Jesus Christ. We have this idea that we need to be faster than a speeding bullet, right? Faster than a locomotive, jump over a building in a single bound, right? Right? We think this is who we need to be. 
That we need to have a long flowing cape wearing these spandex tights with a big old cross on our chest. This is what it means to be a fanatic. This is who I need to be. You know, Paul addresses this idea in 2 Corinthians. He's actually confronting this idea of super apostles. You know what he calls them? Fake apostles. False apostles. Because there's no such thing. Listen, I, I need to throw this out there and be clear with this this morning. If you have an iPhone and I call you, and as it rings, it says, Superman Clark is calling. Um, That's a funny story for another time. Please know um, that I am not, or no do I think, that I am Superman. I just think he's the coolest dude around, right? Um, But I will say, no one has ever seen Superman and myself in the same room at the same time. Just saying, okay? Come on. Church, God uses the ordinary for the extraordinary purposes. We are ordinary people proclaiming an extraordinary God. These guys were ordinary men, fishermen, unschooled. And when God used them to set the foundation of the church, come on. We don't need to be super Christians. In fact, just for funsies, that, that, that ordinary word, that word ordinary in Greek is actually the Greek word called idiotus. Idiotus. Any idea what we get out of that from the English word? Idiots. Now, we may see like, you just call us idiots, right? We're idiots for Jesus. Woohoo! No. See, when we say the word idiot, we derive from a derogatory definition that has come through negative or society. It just simply means we're un- unschooled or untrained or unknowledgeable. We don't have ourselves everything that, that needed except for Jesus. God uses the untrained, right? These men were untrained. They were fishermen to set the foundation of one of his greatest creations, the church. And for some reason, we think we need to be Bible scholars. Absolutely not. We just need to be obedient. A fanatic is obedient. But please don't miss this. At the end of verse 13, it says, they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They were with Jesus. They spent time with Jesus. How about you? Do you spend time with Jesus? I know Jesus isn't physically here, but as a follower of Jesus, he's spiritually here. Right? I know Jesus isn't physically here, but his word is here. Church, read your Bibles. When we spend time with Jesus, it changes us. It challenges us. It calls us out to the truth. Like, okay, this is who I need to be. This is how I'm called to live. And we needed to do that. We can't proclaim, we can't be a fanatic for someone we don't know. I love Jesus, I love Jesus. What what about him? Oh, uh, hang on, let me go get rich. No, 
You are a follower of Jesus. You have a Holy Spirit in you. You have everything you need for life and godliness. And you have the scripture. And if you spend time in it, God will set us up, equip us. We're on school. The Holy Spirit does the work. And people's lives are being changed. Fanatics. Time with Jesus challenges us. And allows us to give us everything we need to stand against the grain of culture. Continue reading in verse 15. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and they conferred together. What are we, I love this, what are we going to do with these men? They asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows that they have performed a notable sign and we can't deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them not to speak, uh, not to speak any longer in anyone in this name. Then they called them back in to verse 18 and commanded them, do not speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judge. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Come on. Friends, point number three this morning, a fanatic follows God over listening to man. A fanatic follows God over listening to man. Friends, there will come a day where the church will be told to be silent. We're not there yet. But we're moving that direction for years. People wanting under God, taken out of the pledge, the American pledge, prayer and Bible reading taken out of the schools, prayer taken off of sporting events. You can't talk about Jesus at work. That we need to be tolerant of other beliefs, but we can't share our own. We need to decide who we're going to listen to. God? Or man. We cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. If God has been moving in your life, transformed your life, and has brought you into the kingdom of the Son He loves, He rescued you from that dominion of darkness, He is working through, He's saved you from addiction, He brought you and saved your marriage, He's working in your family, He brought your kids to know Him. If you've seen and heard that in your life, then we are called to listen to God and say bye bye to mankind. Peter and John, again, were standing in front of these Jewish leaders. And what they were proclaiming could have meant death. Following Jesus in Jerusalem meant that you were shunned. In the first century, Christianity wasn't easy as we like to think. People lost families, kicked out of towns. They were unwanted. We have to decide if we're going to stand for God or we're going to fold to mankind. We have to decide if we're going to be fanatics or fans for Jesus. Stand for what we believe to be true and walk in a way that just gets tough. Kyle Eidemann in his book, I told you last week that we threw several copies of this book. If you have not read it, I encourage you to get it. Um, in the book, Not a Fan, he says, does your life reflect 
what you say you believe. Does the love of Christ, church, compel us enough to go against the grain or to fall in line with everyone and everything else that's happening in our culture? Does the love of Christ compel you? Fanatics go against the grain. Now, I'm not a woodworker by any means. In fact, if I'm being honest, you don't want me to build you anything because it would not be square, and I'm not sure I know what, was, what it would look like at the end, whatever it may be. Uh, but it's my understanding when it comes to woodworking, it's much easier to cut the wood along with the grain than against it. When, you go, when it goes smoother, right? It goes faster. There's, there's less splinters. But I guess I was told this the other day, if you have the most blades are special, have these special cross-cut blades on them, right? And it makes everything possible. You can cut against the grain. Friends, that's the same thing with our walk with Jesus, being a fanatic for Christ. We can choose the easy and the smooth path and conform to the cultural norm, the one of least resistance, or we can choose to go against the grain and get done what God wants to get done. Reach people with a message of hope. Where his name is being proclaimed and souls are being saved forever. What are we going to do? By the way, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you have been equipped with the right blade. And his name is the Holy Spirit. You have everything you need. 2 Timothy 1.7, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. You, me, as followers of Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit residing in us, gives us the power, the strength, the courage to stand, to fight, to proclaim the truth. We're not to be shrinking back. We're called to fight for And look what happens as a result. Chapter 4, 21 and 22. After further threats, the, further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had, what had happened. For the man who knew, who knew miraculously healed was over 40 years old. They did not know what to do with these guys. They stood up and proclaimed the truth. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to deny what God was doing in them, what God did in his lame man, how he healed them. Friends, the world cannot deny when the Lord's work shows up on their front porch. Come on. When God's work in their lives, they cannot deny lives being changed. They cannot deny someone's being radically healed. They can't rely on anything. Marriage is being changed. People being restored. Addictions being broken. People can't deny what God is doing on their front porch. So as you and I proclaim, and you and I stand up and go against the grain, we just let God do what he does best, change everything, and we let him fight our battles for us. People can't deny what happens when the Lord steps in. We're just called to proclaim the truth of it. We are called 
to be fanatics. Go against the grain of culture proclaiming the love of Jesus Christ. Regardless, regardless of what the world says we're to do. Amen. Let's close in prayer. And I'm going to ask you and challenge you this week to pray with me again. Our light is not on. Let's proclaim the message. Let's proclaim the message. There's people in our lives who need Jesus Christ. So when that day comes, come Lord Jesus, come. We know that they're going to be with him forever. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the truth of your word. God, thank you for having followers of Jesus Christ, you know, in Scripture, true lives, real lives, who are fanatics for you. How Peter and John stood in a hostile place, not caring about their own lives, their livelihood, or, or who would they would reject them. They proclaimed you. I pray for us as a church as we just remembered what you have done for us, that we have life through your shed blood, that we will stand in a place in a world that wants to push you out and proclaim the same truth, go against the grain of what the world and culture society says is true and tell them there's no other name under heaven but which must save it. Jesus is the only way. God bless church. Have an amazing week.